Previously on What Would the Smart Party Do? <laughs> we've, been, we've been lazily reviewing the Dungeon Master's Guide after five years on the bookshelves. And uh, Gaz and I were talking post last show. And, uh, and we, we, still get, we still get a lot of requests for, for this sort of stuff. So we thought we'd do a bit of a show and tell because there's a whole lot of uh, novice DMs and GMs out there who, who really are sort of asking about how do you, how do you make stuff to play with? How, how do you do it? What do I need to buy? What do I need to do? Where do I start? How little do I need to do? How much do I need to do? And it's a bit, it's a bit of a tricky question. So, after we were slightly gushing about the DMG, uh, we we had a chat, didn't we, guys? We thought maybe we'll roll our own, see what happens. Yeah, that's right. We've got sort of three chapters in or whatever it was, and um, I'm not sure, especially for uh, some of the people who are perhaps more experienced as well. I don't know whether they found that maybe a little bit dry or wanted to bring it to life a little bit more. And we, we constantly get asked about, well, how do you come up with adventures for conventions or how do you come up with settings and all that kind of stuff? So it'd be nice to actually do it live, so to speak, uh, and see what shakes out of it and see if that helps anybody out or people can perhaps tell us about their experiences as well. Yeah. So yeah, so that's the idea. So we're going to we'll do this live. I mean, you know, you'll never see it in the edit. We could have monkeyed around with all kinds of things. I could, <laughs> <laughs> but it's highly unlikely given the audio quality of some of our recent casts. Um, Gaz is going to roll some dice. I'm going to take some notes, and uh, we're going to open up our DMGs. If you're playing along at home, we're going to open up to. Let me see what page is it. I think it's page seventy-three, which is the very first chart in the DMG for rolling up your own adventure. And, um, and we'll have a go at this, shall we? And, and we'll see what goes. And I think sure. I think we set some ground rules, shall we? Do you want to go hardcore, roll it once, that's what we're having? Do you want to go freestyle, where it's like pick something you like off the charts? Or, or what do you want to do? We've definitely got to roll dice. We have. Uh, it, it might be more interesting to maybe roll two and then pick one of the results, just to yeah. give people a bit more idea about what there is. All right. All right. I like that idea very much, mate, because then that gives us an element of choice as well, doesn't it? And then yeah. if we get stuck in a kind of choose-your-own-adventure way, we can always backtrack to where we put our thumb in it and take the other option if later That's choices right. obviate our first one. <laughs> All good. All right. So we're starting off with uh, what, what's, what's the first thing? How do we get our adventure rolling, Bas? Well, it's, well, there's no flow chart here. So the, the first thing you see is adventure types, and it gives you a few ideas here. It's got two tables, one for dungeon goals and one for wilderness goals. Now... I am of the opinion that Dungeons & Dragons is a really good game for going, you are all at the door of the dungeon, you've decided to go into it, let's start. So why don't we go for a couple of dungeon goals, but we'll do a couple of wilderness goals while we're at it too, because you never know, this might expand into what's around this place of adventure. So let's have a couple of rolls, mate. Give me 2d20, please, and I'm going to give you a choice of dungeon goals, and this is what the adventure site's going to be all about. Okay then, I've got um, a 16 and a 9. Okay, right, so for your 9, uh, it's discover the fate of a previous adventuring party. So that's that's one potential hook. Okay, oh, I quite gotcha. like that already. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, your other option is discover why a villain is interested in this dungeon. Okay. So, okay. And there's no reason at all why you couldn't have both, in fairness. No, there isn't. Um, I th- yeah, and I think you can roll them together. I was kind of deciding what going to outline some stuff now, or just keep rolling dice for a bit. Or what do you want to do? Let's roll some dice for a bit, and then we'll fold back okay. into that. We'll find the little stopping point, and then we'll see if we can fill them all together. I have a feeling if you start like painting, painting in the detail now, 
you might find yourself painted into a corner a little bit later on. So let's leave it loosey goosey. But you know, that's okay. the, I, I quite like those as hooks. They're quite nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I've got a couple of ideas already. I think that's all good. So for wilderness, then. Yeah. Uh, I've got uh, seven and a fourteen. Right. Number seven is protect a caravan traveling to a distant town. Oh dear. That's pretty vanilla that one isn't it that's that super, yeah I, I suppose it has to be in there but that, that's what you do when you can't think of any other ideas uh, now what was yeah. your other dice roll mate uh, it was 14 14 find an object that was lost in the wilds yeah, okay then right. yeah okay yeah, yeah. okay they're not as exciting as the first ones I don't think but we'll no, let, let's stay in the dungeon then shall we for a while see what happens yeah now it's weirdly there's a little sub table here called other goals should we roll a d12 on that? And I think it might mix it all up a little bit. Yeah, so this is nothing to... It's not Dungeons, it's not Wilderness. It's just supplementary goal. 11. 11. Interfere with the operation of a business. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Someone's been reading my notes for King of Dungeons here. Like rival adventuring <laughs> yeah. parties and interfering with a business. <laughs> okay. Great. Now, while you're thinking then, mate, um, I'll just uh, foreshadow some stuff, as all good DMs do. So the next thing we're going to do is identify important NPCs. Um, there's a few little tables to roll on there. Um, and we've got villains, allies, and patrons. So these are going to be some people or monsters or whatever. And they're going to be, um, if we were writing this down um, in a note format, I guess this would take a page, wouldn't it, of like important personages in the adventure. So it's quite nice to see those getting rolled up early because sometimes with uh, with baddies and stuff, they sit at the end of an adventure in isolation, silent, until the minute you meet them. So yes. I quite like to think about them early on and then you can you could, uh, incorporate them into, into the stuff a bit earlier on so you get a sense of a story going on. Yes, correct. You can get some kind of purpose... Um, early, I think the adventure villains table, if I remember correctly, is the one that I found disappointed because of one word, uh, uh, which is humanoid. I think half the entries say it's a humanoid something. Correct. Um, and I didn't see why it had to be a humanoid. I, you know, for example, if it's whatever a crystal criminal mastermind or something like that, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't see why that couldn't be a, a young black dragon criminal mastermind or something or whatever. You know, yeah. Uh, why, why humanoid? Do you know? Do you have any insight into that, or is it just a, a choice on the tables? Do you think? Well, humanoid means something in D anD D. It's a it's a creature type, because um, it's a bit of a keyworded game at times. Um, sure. But humanoid, humanoid is one of those words that freaks me out a little bit in adventures when I feel like I have to describe something in the shadows coming towards the party. Um, <laughs> I think I did this to you when we played Mutant New Zero the other week. I said, "There's yeah. something coming towards you, and it's humanoid shaped." Because of the oid bit, I always think it's a robot. <laughs> like an android but it's <laughs> yeah it's human shaped I don't know what the old gives you <laughs> yeah human shaped just Except, sounds better it's just, yeah it's, it's sort of almost like it's not a human but it's something that's got two arms and two legs and a head that's exactly <laughs> what it's trying to say but it makes it sound yeah. like it's C-3PO which is <laughs> although he's going to be our villain now isn't he this golden <laughs> like English Jeeves type model <laughs> In golden armor, fused to his skin that he can't get out of. <laughs> so anyway, the reason why half of them are humanoid, I suspect, is because for D and D, that can mean a lot of things. It could mean anything from a goblin to a knoll. Um, I don't think it counts for giants, although they're human shaped, if not human sized. Mm. So it's a bit weird, but there's a whole bunch of stuff that includes orcs and well, loads of stuff really. 
Yeah, I get that. And I think probably what I'm saying is from a, a wider role-playing point of view, I don't, I don't see why you'd make that specific that it had to be an orc or, a, or yeah. you know, some, it feels a little bit, I'll tell you what it feels like, is um, like Star Trek where half the aliens are basically humans but with a blue face uh, and an earring or something. So yeah. it feels a little bit like you're just making this... Mm-hmm. That kind of way out, and we don't, we haven't got special effects in role playing games, it's all in our heads, so you can pick anything you wanted it to be, you know. Yeah. So it just feels a little bit limiting that we've gone for a special effects budget there when we could have picked anything in the world. Yeah, our budget's unlimited, isn't it? So yeah. there's that. Well, let's see how it goes, because I think, I think this is a good point here, isn't it? If you roll on a chart and something in it you think, I could do better than that, then do better than that. You do you, you know? It's not hard, yeah. is it? Right. <laughs> Look, roll the blooming dice, will you? Stop moaning. Right, well, this is a d20 for villain. It is. I rolled a 17. And it's a humanoid. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a 50-50 chance, I think. <laughs> yeah. It's a humanoid raider or ravager. Okay, so that's nice. Now, it points us towards chapter four for all of these things, because all of these NPCs we can look at now, there's a whole chapter on those, so there's going to be more tables forthcoming. So I guess we can either go into those tables now or roll up a few more of the NPCs, then do them en masse. So there is more yeah. stuff to flesh that out. So what My, do, you to, do you want to do allies and patrons and then go to the NPC chart, or what do you want to do? Yeah, my, my top gaming tip is if you've got to flick about a bit, do the do the stuff you can do here first, and then we'll go and do the stuff. Great. One time, Agreed. Yeah. Let's do it in order, because, yeah, it might, yeah, we might get fired up by seeing some connections as well. Right, Adventure Allies is a D12. I got two. Right. So now this is interesting that adventure allies is even a thing. Do you know what? It doesn't always occur to me that adventurers should have allies. Not at no. All. So Where was I reading that recently? Was it in the DMG? Well, somewhere it may else. Because it's it right could here. have been. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now there's something else with someone. Maybe it's uh, Forbidden Lands, the Free League game. Could be. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah, there's, there's definitely um, a couple of places I've seen recently where they talk about, like, who do you hire to come with you on this trip and that kind of thing. Ah, uh, yeah. Because back in the day, of course, classic old-school D&D, you would have retainers and hirelings and henchmen. Maybe yes. not straight away, but torchbearers and people with poles and ladders. So, exactly. Speaking yeah. of which, you've rolled up inexperienced adventurer. Okay. Well, that's that's flavorful. Yeah, Definitely. I, I like that idea. Sometimes it can be a bit of a pain in the bum, to be honest. I mean, I would I would counsel against rolling up four or five Games Master NPCs that you really want to go on the adventure and you give them to the party because you <laughs> want to have a say or a voice within the player's side of the screen. And, and then actually it's quite hard work to organise them. And players, unless you're playing something like yeah. Savage Worlds, which makes it easier, players don't really like having two characters in front of them. I they don't, don't like having the admin, yeah. And no. it, it removes focus away from a main character. So mm-hmm. if you're going to have lots of things, it, it's probably best to only loosely identify them and don't bring them to the fore quite so much yeah. and have a group of caravan guides or whatever it is and maybe call out the sergeant or whatever or the leader of them and mm-hmm. don't really go to fleshing out anybody else. But yeah, I think you're right. For, um, for these sort of games, you want the focus to be on the PCs, really, and then everybody else should be just supporting act for them. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So for this particular character, we'll come back to it. It may well be enough to go, it's an experienced adventurer and he or she has got a name and maybe a couple of little personality traits. But you don't need a character sheet for that person. No. All right. Cool. Right. Last NPC then for now is the adventure patrons. So who's getting you to do this delve? That's D20. Big D20. Eight. Eight. Temple official. 
<laughs> so, okay. this is cool because there's a few games that, that encourage you to just be uh, quite improv-based and to make up backgrounds and, and then fold them into the campaign setting. What I quite like about a role like Temple Official is you're kind of forced to now decide what temples you've got in the world. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah. Which you weren't, you didn't have to consider three seconds ago, but now you mm. do. And it's not, it's not a chore. It's supposed to be inspiration. And you think, oh, hello. So now this is a religious mission. Mm. That's cool. And as we mentioned last time, it was like quite an early part of the the game book is actually about what how does how do pantheons look in your world? What are the gods about? Yeah. So that that kind of feeds into that a little bit, doesn't it? If you thought about what gods there might be, then this gives you an opportunity to bring them to the fore into the game. Yeah, in exactly. a sure don't tell kind of way. That's right. Now, on that basis, mate, if you do me a favour on another D20, I'll tell you what, I'll give you another choice for patron because the chart's long enough. Okay. And um, I get an 18. Yeah, so if you didn't want Temple Official because you might think, oh, I'm not that worried about religious kind of stuff or, you know, don't have clerics and paladins in my party, whatever, um, Desperate Commoner was your other role. So that's that's okay. two kind of different flavours to the adventure straight away, isn't it? Or two choices. Yeah. Ultimately, you've got infinite choices, but it mm-hmm. can be quite nice to to think about. I think I think the adventure takes a massively different tone whether you go with the patron being a temple official or a desperate commoner. And you can add um, some flair in there or choices for the players early in that you can have both of them ask you at separate points to go on this mission in one way. Yeah. Or and then you've got a question around what's the motive behind this temple official? Um, uh-huh. You know, I've got this clearly desperate common folk asking me to go there as well. So there's some. It immediately puts in the player's mind there's some other thing going on that they can't see right now as well. And I'm thinking that's lovely to try and fold in both things. Why not fold in three things? Have the inexperienced adventurer be one or the other of the patrons. So not only am I your patron, I'm coming with you. Hmm. It's all um, yes, I, uh, yes, either patron or uh, yeah, it's someone who's got another stake in this mission. Um, mm-hmm. Just looking back to the there's um. Was it a previous, discover the fate of the previous group? It yes. could be, you know, a, a sibling or a relation or a friend of the inexperienced adventure who was uh, like expecting their friends to come back and they haven't done and now they kind of want to go and find out what's happened to them and desperate yeah. to come with you or something like that. That's nice, yeah. So there's a lot there already and, and your brain yeah. should be starting to fizz, shouldn't it? If you're playing along at home, um, you know, we, this is just us rolling on charts for you to listen to, but... If you've got a pen and paper, I bet you've drawn some arrows on it already, linking stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> arrows are cool. Make it flowcharty. Don't try and be neat, I would say, straight away. Cross stuff out. Stick poster notes oh, all over it. Okay, mate. Right, now, we have a choice now. We can either flesh out these characters, or we can flesh out the location. We've got both choices to go to. They take you to an NPC chapter, which is not far away, or to an adventure environment chapter to flesh out the dungeon or wilderness. So... What would you prefer, people or places? I think we've got some idea about people straight away, but I, okay. I want to flush out where we're going, if you if you know what I mean. All right. Yep, absolutely. Okay, so this is now Chapter 5, so we're going to fast forward to page 99, and we have... Oh, well, we've got a bunch of stuff for dungeons. Are we going with the dungeon rather than the wilderness? I'm thinking from yeah, the initial hook. Yeah, for me, the, the dungeon seems to be more, more exciting opportunities than the uh, the wilderness did. All right, okay. So the dungeon location then. So we've got a massive D100 table here with a potential 
potentially, if you roll a silly number, you get an exotic location out of it. Now we we were saying <laughs> we were saying off air just before we came on that sometimes these charts they put all the really good stuff in the hard to reach places. So, <laughs> yeah, I yeah I kind of want an exotic location to be I don't know fifty to sixty or something. <laughs> yeah, it's five percent, mate. So you, I'll give you two rolls on a percentage table to for a location. So give me a choice. One in ten, man. All right, uh, seventy-eight is the first one. All right. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. the second one? Um, 32. Okay. Uh, I'll go with 32 first of all because I can pronounce it correctly. Uh, so your dungeon is in a chasm. Okay. Or it's in several connected mesas. M-E-S-A. That's oh, that mesas, kind of yeah, close know. encounters, truncated mountain thing, isn't it? Several connected uh, mesas yeah. or a chasm. They're so, kind of... Yeah. It feels like the, the mesas or mesas, however we're going to pronounce it, I might have to agree on that. Mm. Um, that feels like the the broader backdrop, yeah. And they're trying to find the secret dungeon entrance that's in one of the chasms between these things. I would, that's what yeah. springs to my head anyway, something like that. So, but it, that flies in the face of you wanting to be at the dungeon door straight away. But it does give you a little bit of wildernessy stuff to do first that might involve some exciting encounters, perhaps. Indeed. Well, I tell you what, throw me a d twenty, and we'll tell you about the exotic location you could have had if you'd rolled better. They're <laughs> <laughs> all different. Um, an eight. Eight. Uh, castle or structure at the bottom of a sinkhole. God, that's literally the opposite of a connected Mesa. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I don't know. I mean, it, it still feels like we could, have, we could have that a little bit. Yeah. In terms of it's at the bottom of a chasm, like it used to be. There used to be a castle on top of a plateau, and the plateau uh-huh. kind of fell in on itself, and yeah. the the ruins of the castle are kind of down in a chasm somewhere or something like that. Right. I don't know. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, let's find out a little bit more about it because this location, all of the previous roles can be informed by later roles, can't they? So we've got a table to roll on for the dungeon creator. So this puts a little bit of history mm-hmm. in the game, isn't it? I mean, you, you've got like yeah. you know, uh, Tomb of Horrors, Temple of the Elemental Evil. There's sometimes there's hints and tips as to who made this dungeon, but often these things sit there in ruins, and you don't really know why they're there. So this will give yeah. you something to spend points on architecture in. <laughs> so that's a, a D twenty roll. See who created this dungeon. Uh, twenty. Oh my word! No creator at all. Natural caverns. Got to be joshing me. No. <laughs> I, I rolled the extreme roll, and now you're telling me that there's just, there isn't a creator. After that build-up, yeah. <laughs> I get two rolls, I don't know, we pick one. Well, yeah, you've got a choice now between loads of caves. I hate caves, by the way. Can I just put that out? Yeah. But for me, dungeons, they're really hard to describe. Nobody can map them, and it's just... Yeah. Uh, I'm, no, I'm I don't like you. them. Yeah, don't like them at all. Um, uh, roll I'm, again, mate, because that's yeah, boring, boring, boring natural caves. Boo. Uh, Eleven. Hobgoblins. Now, okay. Hobgoblins in D&D default, and obviously we could do with this what we like, they're a militaristic race. I quite like that about them. They'll have like militaristic insignia and stuff, and they wear proper armour and uniforms, and uh, they're quite good at like pack fighting because they, I don't know, I, get, I always get the impression they're like Roman legionaries. So, um, That's uh, cool. Yeah, they have like war banners and stuff, but they're not like orcs where it's all like ragged. And I think they like go around cleaning their kit and uh, have drills and tents. So <laughs> that could be nice. I'm down. 
<laughs> Good. If I'm looking like samurai, I'm even better. Well, they do. They do look a bit like samurai. Nice. Go ahead and go ahead and Google it, audience. Look at check it out now. D and D hobgoblin. Now, but <laughs> if if you're of a certain vintage like we are, mate. But when you say hobgoblin and you don't know D and D, I imagine something a bit like the Games Workshop ones. Yes, like little, yes. little red hats like Smurfs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and moon faced like a crescent moon. What was that Games Workshop game where you build you built a war chariots? Oh, with cards. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'll have yeah, to Google yeah, that later. Yeah. Uh, well, they had like conical hats and stuff on some of the, the goblins and stuff. They did, yeah. So yeah, D is quite good at, at, um, at taking folklore stuff and making it not at all like a fairy story and much more kind of well different. I mean, um, Lord of the Rings kind of informed my view of goblins and so on, and then Games Workshop reinformed it and made them all green and com- comedic. And you know, D and D's done the same with stuff like uh, ogres and trolls. They don't kind of look like ogres and trolls in in almost anywhere else. Uh, yeah. Same with the hobgoblins. So Hobgoblin's cool, mate. It's either that or nothing. What would you prefer? <laughs> I prefer the Hobgoblins, please. Hobgoblins it is. Right, fine. Um, okay, Dungeon Purpose. So what's it for? So if you'd rolled Natural Cavern, you wouldn't even get to roll on this table, so that would be... Well, that sounds rubbish. Yeah, Dungeon Purpose is a D20, please. Certainly. Four. Well, it turns out the Hobgoblins have built a lair. This is one of those D20 tables where you don't have 20 entries. So Lair comes up on a 2 to 5. So they obviously want Lairs to be a little bit more popular than, for example, Planar Gate. So um, always roll again, mate, or take a Hobgoblin Lair. I'm just going to roll again because my default option there in my head was going to be it would be their, where they live, it would be their Lair. Right. So I kind of want... A different choice, so I just rolled four against all stuff. It really, it really uh, needs to be a lair. <laughs> 16. Well, 16 is a temple or shrine. Right. Well, that makes more sense. If we're potentially mm-hmm. being sent here by some religious order, then it being their temple or shrine seems to make sense yeah. as to why we might be going there. Yeah. Now It can I mean, also be the lair as well. It could be where they live. but Well, exactly, because it might. Um, I'm guessing that would be a temple to the their god and like lots of the uh, humanoid races in D&D they seem to have like one god provides everything to them whereas humans get 25 gods don't know why that's true <laughs> but it's likely to Bizarre. be god of god of war so like a martial temple that gives you loads of uh, loads of fodder yeah all right so uh they actually go on to describe a temple or shrine as the dungeon is consecrated to a deity or other planar entity the entity's worshippers control the dungeon and conduct their rites there. Okay, cool. I'm down with right. that. Another one is dungeon history. So what's it doing now? Because we know why it was created. Uh, we don't know how long ago this was. So it might not be a live operation, but it's D20 to tell us the history of the dungeon. Eight. Conquered by invaders. Okay. All right. Cool. So... That, I believe, yeah, I thought as much. So when it comes to dungeons, at the end of the tables, there's another couple of pages of, like, you know, inspiration, advice, etc. on the nitty-gritty, like, you know, how to do the details, how to map it, how to put your doors in, all of that kind of stuff, (laughs) who the factions are, inhabitants. But that's all you're getting for your... Now you're on your own, really. Okay. 
for dungeons, okay? Obviously, there's a bunch of other stuff, but it's not a random roll anymore. Now you're getting your monster manual out and you're putting stuff into it. Gotcha. But you've got enough there, I think. Yeah. I'll do the same for Wilderness. So there's a bunch of stuff on that. Um, Shall we roll the Wilderness stuff just to see should, what there is in case anything comes yeah. up? Or... Oh, well, why not? Okay, right, let's see. So let's roll forward a little bit from there. So we're still in Chapter 4 at this point. Uh, sorry, Chapter 5. And let's see. Let's see who we've got. So you're coming out of the dungeon, so at some point they'll either we can use the wilderness either before, after, or both, I suppose, can't we? Yes. Right. Fine. Wilderness features. Alright. So this this is kind of predated on the fact that you should have a little bit of a map at this stage, and you probably want to put a few different locales and things on it. So it's not just one role gives you your wilderness, because you know, I, I guess people are quite capable of going, I want this to be in a jungle. Or a yes, desert, yeah. or whatever. So you can take the Star Wars approach, I think. It doesn't give you a table for that. But what it does do is it gives you some inspirational stuff to drop onto your map. So I guess you keep rolling on it until you feel you don't need any more. So Yeah. And this feels like... Oh, sorry. That's just a point to say. It feels like something you could do. If we don't want to do... If we want to get to the dungeon door quickly, we can do like 13th Age does with a montage where you get... You just mm. Each person describes a feature... But this will give you like a bunch of features you can describe that's on the way there or something like that or yeah. feed into things perhaps. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that will come up straight away because the first table we get is monuments. So okay. we've got a nice D20 table here on page 108 and there's quite a few entries on here. So I, I'd chuck a couple of dice here, mate, if I were you. Sure. Uh, I'm going to have a 5 or a 16. Well, number 5 is an intact obelisk etched with a warning historical lore, dedication, or religious iconography. Hello. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Uh, was it 16, you said? It was. Uh, a great stone arch. Okay. Okay, so there's some nice backdrops there for stuff to happen. Um, cool. And then yeah, a right next now. table, which is similar similar to this, is uh, because what they say is your, your wilderness feature should be monster lairs, Monuments, ruins, settlements, strongholds, and weird locales. But only monuments and weird locales gets random tables for them. So I guess what right. you've got to do is key your map and start dropping a couple of strongholds, put in a few ruins, think of a few settlements. And Monster yeah. Lair is like your dungeons that you've rolled up, isn't it? Yeah. yeah so yeah. Should, we, should we stick a weird locale in your wilderness as well? I think we have to, don't we? Definitely. Um, so I've got a two. Or... 16. So you can have a dead magic zone and or a river ferry guided by a skeletal captain. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> From one extreme to another. It's suddenly gone, yeah. <laughs> um, mm. well, I'm not sure which I like. I'd have them both. Um... Well, yeah, that's been a default option, isn't it? Yeah, but when you're doing wilderness, you've got enough space to drop these things in. You, you, you sure. can. This is OSR does this stuff really, really well. And in fact, my opinion on this is OSR stuff does this better than the DMG is doing. The DMG, DMG is giving us a nice starter, but when it comes to rolling up a wilderness, the OSR tables that you can find out there are really fantastical with a capital F. I think this might be the first time you've rolled on the table tonight, mate, where it's felt like it's a really cool fantasy game if it's got a skeletal captain yes. on a boat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Up until and, then, uh, we could have been playing in Middle Earth, couldn't we? Which is a fantastical yeah. place, but a bit more grounded than D and D is. Yeah, gotcha. All right. Um, now, wilderness survival is apparently a thing. So, <laughs> there are tables here for weather. Really? Okay. They're not very good uh, tables, are they? I remember. No, it's it's temperature, wind, and precipitation. What, guys, have you got a default for what the weather's like when you're doing your opening paragraph of a fantasy role-playing game and you're describing it to a new party? I normally have an idea of a theme for um, the adventure and describe the weather, uh, weather at the start and then perhaps a change later on. So, for example, uh, in one of the Pendragon games that's set on the Welsh coast, I start off with everybody setting out from their uh, Lord's Holfast and it's yeah. the the winter's over. It's the first travel of spring, and they need to go and find out what's happened out in the king's lands. Uh, so it's all bright, and there's all the sparkly enough um, icicles melting, and all that kind of stuff, and the sun's out and stuff. And then sort of like build up the weather as they get. By the time on the Welsh coast, it's black, heavy, pregnant clouds, and the winds lashing horizontally into your visor, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So if, if I bring weather in, it's normally to kind of show some change or give some theme to what's happening in the game, or I don't cool. mention it. But um, yeah, if you're going to bring it in, I think don't have like it's ten degrees colder than it should be for this time of year or something. It needs to be, you know, <laughs> yeah. add, add something, you know, it's baking hot and you're sweltering in your armor or that kind of thing, or you're in a marsh and there's insects buzzing around you and it's too hot and you just mildew's forming on the leather underneath your armor straps and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, I I, I do the same. Funnily enough, I do spring or autumn as well, but kind of extreme spring or extreme autumn. It's difficult to know which one's which because I, I have like loads of frost on the ground but bright sunshine. That seems to be the first thing that pops into my head. And I, and I use it from there to either get very, very cold quickly after that so the snows are coming, which is your autumn, or it's going to be a real baking summer where you can, you know, you can just, you're constantly pulling at your armour because it's all sweaty under there and you're gritty and nasty. Yeah. So I like it to, yeah. to add, add flavour. I'm... I'm I, I always appreciate a GM who tells me what the weather is, as long as they don't tell me in about over the course of twenty minutes every morning. It's just you know, <laughs> a, a quick news flash is enough. Or keep rolling on the table to see what the weather's like now. Yeah, it wants yeah. it wants to be baking <laughs> hot, and water's a problem, so it gives somebody the reason to roll the survival skill or whatever it might be. You know, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. G- give it a reason to me there. Okay, right. Well, with your wilderness, mate, if you want, there's a there's a few charts to roll for a settlement. Now, it's traditional. To, for a dungeon to have a town or village nearby, it so is isn't it? that might help well, you. It's not complicated, so if you would fancy a couple of rolls for that, we could do a quick settlement. Let's do it. We'll do it. All right, mate. So, uh, <laughs> right, let me just tell you what the first thing to roll for a random settlement is. You well, I tell you what, you get you get five XP if you can guess without looking what the first sub table is for rolling a settlement in this game. Uh, something about the population size or what kind of something it is. I don't know. Yeah, I'll give you two experience points for that because it is about population but nothing to do with size. Clearly, it's about race relations. <laughs> what is that about? <laughs> uh, I'd like to be in the meeting where they decided that was the most important table they need to get down. Well, uh, roll away, mate. It's a D20 and half the time nothing happens. So good luck. Oh, I hate those tables. Uh, seven. Harmony. Yeah. It falls in the one to ten slot of race relations. Race relations is not an issue in this settlement. Which I, right. guess, I guess that means the default for D&D is that half the time there's a problem with race. And I know that race is a thing in the game, 
you pick one it's one of your very first choices and sometimes it's an issue sometimes it's not I, I guess that feels like something that you bring in if you want it to be a thing yeah so I guess if it, yeah. if it's one to ten harmony then you could just ignore that and roll a d10 if you want something to be yes exactly exactly but, and it also implies that it's different from settlement to settlement which yeah. I guess is that points of light wilderness kind of vibe that you want in well, maybe you don't want, but it's it's often there in a fantasy game where the wilderness is lawless, and but every town is a different thing. Yes. Okay. I get you. All right. Well, you've got harmony, mate. Right. Let's find out what the ruler of your settlement is like. Okay. So this is your status of your ruler. It's a D twenty. Thirteen. Um, contested leadership with open fighting. Now that's much better. That's more like it. That's more like it. Yeah. And it won't be based on race either, don't forget. <laughs> That's probably based on class. Based on alignment. <laughs> Contested leadership. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's that's much better from a, an ideas point of view. Because what what's happens with most people is that, and I find myself doing this sometimes, but your villages can all seem the same. If it's the village near the dungeon, they all tend to be like quite twee and similar, and the same yeah. standard stuff happens. And you go and buy your magic potions from the same shop. Who you know, the guy's just got a different coloured hat on, but it's basically the same as the last village you're in. So it's good to have something like that where it's um, like there's a thing happening that makes this mm. village in- interesting or a town or whatever it might be. And also, this is usually the place where you get your mission from. So it's quite nice that we picked two patrons earlier, or potential patrons. And we've got a leadership contest, so mm. that seems to to synchronise quite nicely. That there's some kind of like religious thing going on, and then there's a desperate commoner, and maybe they're part of the leadership gig. So if you go off and have your adventure, when you get back to your settlement, I wonder if that would have been resolved or not, or maybe your mission needs to happen in order for it to resolve. So that's yeah, a, and it, it nice feels one. like it could be something to do with um, the religious official trying to get you to go and putting resources into doing something for the religion or that yeah. they think's important and as a common person who's representing the underclass who are doing all the work and not getting anything out of it and instead of their problems being resolved all the energy is going into like bringing back Sir Benedict's left finger bone from the horrible hobgoblins <laughs> or whatever it might be and yeah. there's kind of like some tension there or you know stuff like that nice nice right well let's give this uh, this town or village some notable traits so give me a couple <laughs> of roles Apart well, from the ones we mentioned. Apart from the fighting in the street. <laughs> going on. Yeah, okay. Well, the fighting may not be in the streets. So we've got uh, D20, there's 20 entries here. So let's have a couple to give this town two notable traits. Gotcha. I've got a five and a nine. Five and nine. Verdant parks and orchards. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> and population mostly wealthy. All right. So I don't know what you had in your head, but I didn't have that straight away. So that's 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 coloured in something for me there. This is a bit of a well-to-do place with a desperate uh, commoner. Yeah, and it's let's think. What else do we have? Orchards. Yeah, wealthy population. And there's a second table to roll on. Known for its dot 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 d twenty <laughs> roll, which will tell you what the town is known for. There's a discover a previous fate, and we're talking about we're talking about something being abandoned, possibly. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, Part, part of my head is going towards uh, this village is rich now because, or town is rich now because previous adventures looted 
a dungeon, and, and like they've got, all, they spent all the cash on stuff here, and now the village is really wealthy, and everybody's fighting over it or something. I don't know. Could be, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, no for D twenty. Let's go for that. Yeah, no, uh, no for its D twenty. Twelve and eighteen. Oh my lord! Right, you have got a choice then of gambling. This sounds more and more like Vegas then. Um, yeah. Or powerful guilds, similar. Um, okay. I could. I'm not sure about the guilds. Okay. I, I could see gambling. Yeah. I, I could see if the if the town's rich mm-hmm. or nouveau riche that they got a ton of stuff off adventures or whatever it might have been. Yeah. The gambling became a thing because people thought. I've got so much great started chucking money about. Yeah. Maybe it got to a bit now where we've got a sort of like a disparity or something, so that there's some people who are super rich and that's why you've got all this great stuff, but then there's an underclass who've gambled away all their money and now uh-huh. after now basically in servitude or something, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they're sent into the dungeon to go and mine it for money and artifacts. Oh nice. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Cause the hobgoblins aren't there anymore. Maybe the hobgoblins are all in this town. Maybe it's a town of hobgoblins. Maybe you're all hobgoblins. Anyway, uh, mm. there's a calamity in this town. It's the last chart for this town, so this might change everything. It's got a current calamity. I guess you right. could say everything's stable, but then that doesn't. That's not good for the story, is it? D twenty me, please, buddy. I'll give you a current calamity. Okay. Uh, do you want two rolls again? You might do. You may. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I've got a five, and I've got a two. Oh, right, down the bottom here, mate. Okay, so number five is a plague or a famine that's sparking riots. That's interesting. Well, number yeah. two is new cult seeks converts. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm liking all that. Cool. Now, while you're thinking then, so um, the book then moves on to down to the level of buildings, which I don't think you need to start rolling on at this point because... You don't need to just get back to that dungeon. This is all backdrop for the mission to get get playing. But if you wanted to, the stuff is there for buildings, religious buildings, taverns. There's a tavern name generator, which is always fun because people. That's cool. Yeah. And that's two d twenties. One for the first part of the, one for the first part of the pub. One for the second part. So do me a quick favor, mate. Roll me up a pub because that's where the patronage normally happens. So two d twenty. Eighteen and three. So that would be the Barking Dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> or if you like it the other way around with a 3 and an 18, the Staggering Dog. Staggering Dog, dog yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You've got two pubs there for the price of one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Opposite cool. each other on the street. Yeah. Uh, the, rest of the, ch- the rest of that little bit of the chapter is about random encounters. It's quite nice. It does all kinds of different things for air, sea, underwater, etc. But at this point now, mate, you've got a bunch of stuff, but we can circle back to... Uh, you've got two different choices. You can go back to your NPCs, so there's some stuff to flesh those bad boys out, or carry on with the kind of the overview stuff about your your mission, your dungeon and adventure. I think we need to get the NPCs. Now we've got an idea about where they live okay. or where they're around. I think the NPCs is a, is a good chat. All right. Lovely. Okay. So we had three, didn't we? So you, what we'll have to do is have to do triple rolling um, and then maybe assign them to villain, ally, patron. So we have... Gotcha. Remind us who our villain was. That was a humanoid? It was a human raider or, or ravager. ravager. Yeah. Or so humanoid, the, sorry. 
mm-hmm. human shaped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ally was the inexperienced adventurer, and your patron, uh, I think we had, oh, we had a choice there, didn't we? A desperate yeah. commoner and or temple official. So we've yes. got quite a few there. Okay. Right. So designing NPCs, NPC non player character. What I quite like about this is it doesn't say roll up a paladin, roll up a rogue, etc. Because although that's not a particularly complex operation, these guys don't need character sheets and and it will complicate your life massively if you start trying to generate a whole bunch of non-player characters to that level of, of complication. So yeah. don't. Um, instead, do it like this. So each of them's got a D20 table for their appearance. So what stands out about okay. their looks. Okay, so villain first. Well, do three, and you can assign them as you like. Okay, uh, four, 11, and seven. Four is formal, clean clothes. Uh, yeah. 11 is a birthmark. That's always useful in fantasy games. <laughs> and what was your third role, mate? Uh, it was four, seven, eleven. 11. Uh, and missing teeth. <laughs> I can see they're naturally falling into something. Yeah, and that'll happen, won't it? Or I guess you can like play against type and, and play, uh, yeah. I mean, playing against type could be good because we know there's open warfare and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the the default option, I think, would be to give the temple officials some formal clothes. But yeah. I, I, it sounds funner to have him some missing teeth to show that he's been in one of these fights recently or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm going to go for a temple official with missing teeth. <laughs> Because that that sounds like there's been some ruckus within the temple or yeah. to do with the religious arguments that are going on or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's all um, like that. And obviously like potions of healing uh, don't have an effect on teeth in this <laughs> Quite <laughs> <laughs> Or they're very sugary and they've rotted his teeth out. Because <laughs> he has to keep drinking. I'll <laughs> <laughs> teach him for keep hanging out in the peach orchards. Exactly. Uh, right. So what else did we have? We have formal clean clothes, didn't we? We did, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I think is the, the young and experienced adventurer, that sounds like, that he's, he's perhaps a, a noble son or someone who's supposed to be doing something else with his life, perhaps. But he's want, decided to go adventuring instead because he's read too many books. Yeah, he's bought a jacket from an adventurer's warehouse, but he's not been in the dungeon yet, so he's still got the tag yeah. hanging out the back. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm liking that. Uh, which means that Earth there's a, a, a birthmark on our baddie, which sounds good. On yeah, his face, I imagine. Yeah. It's like one of the names of the adventurers. <laughs> it's not a crosshairs or something, is it? <laughs> okay. Um, right. Now, this I like this bit, right? This, this seems to me to be one of those cool little things that gets overlooked, but I think is really helpful. So it says here, don't roll ability scores for NPCs, which goes to the point of don't do a character sheet for them. But it, what it does do is it has uh, a D6 table twice, once for its high ability and once for its low ability. Because really that's all you need to know. What are they good at? What are they not good at? So can you roll a pair of D6 for each of your characters, please, mate? Okay, then. Uh, so for our villain, uh, I've got a 5 and a 6. Right, they're very wise. So that could be perceptive or spiritual or insightful. They're very wise. Uh, however, their charisma is rock bottom. Yeah, well, <laughs> fair play then. Dull or boring? No, is, is. <laughs> well, I think that's that does give us a little bit more interesting stuff because when you say it's a humanoid raider, that's the the villain that immediately puts you in mind of some 
orc warlord or something like that. Um, yeah. And what this rolls meant is that actually the power behind it all is someone who's actually quite cunning or as right. you know, they've, they've got some idea about what they're doing, even if they're not very, yeah, you know, interesting in themselves. They're actually causing a lot of mischief. I think um, people like this—they always remind me of the the villains in Disney films, where it's the Grand Vizier. Yes, so they're always really wise, but they they can't be at the front of things because they're they're that nobody likes them. <laughs> yeah, because they're fundamentally bad. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Right then, our inexperienced adventurer, I get a a six and a three. Oh wow! Right, very high charisma. So yeah, real born leader this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, which goes into that noble son thing, doesn't it? Straight away, or it noble does. daughter. Yeah. However, <laughs> they, their constitution is rock bottom, so sickly or diseased or pale or something. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's probably the, like the, the bookish son that's been reading about adventures or hearing stories and wants yeah. to go off and be an adventure, but his parents or whoever's clearly seen that he's, he's not built for going down dungeons and fighting things. That is not his strength. No, but... no not at all. <laughs> cool. And I think you've got a patron left to go at least. Sure. Um, we can have four and six again. Very intelligent, very dull. <laughs> <laughs> High intelligence, low charisma. <laughs> Clever and boring. <laughs> that does sound like a temple official. Does a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's fair enough. Okay. That makes so... a lot of sense. I like studious patrons because it means they've read something in a book somewhere, but you have to go and do it because they haven't got the skills. <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 that's all good okay did you have any more uh, I think unless we're going for desperate commoner as well shall we roll him shall we let's Might see how well. desperate they are oh, I'm not having six again I'm going to re-roll that <laughs> Jesus <laughs> just roll three sixes in a row there's your character right so, there so it's definitely charismatic as I always say absolutely this is a charismatic commoner <laughs> and then five but no wisdom they're oblivious or absent minded or something no oh, well that sounds sense. fair enough yeah like, it's persuasive but he hasn't got a clue what he's doing yeah, so he's desperate yeah, for someone yeah. to help that's right okay right now now, this is an interesting little table, okay? So uh, there's a D20 table here. There's an entry for every result, and this is the NPC talent. So this is your role-playing hook, isn't it? You've got, like, the abilities. They're kind of their role, but this is how... This is something you can demonstrate to, to flesh and colour colour in your NPC. So hit me with a D20 roll, mate, or three of them, and or four of them. You can assign them to the person you want post-roll. Uh, okay, let's just, just hit four rolls, then. Yeah, do it. 20. Oh, my word. Nose Thieves Cant. The secret language of thieves. Nice. Six. Six. Uh, great with children. Okay. <laughs> We've gone from very role play to not very role play. Um, 14. Uh, expert Carpenter. Sounds and important. four. Four is a perfect memory. Well, it's a real mixed bag, isn't it? There's like a couple of yeah. them that feel like they're quite useful. Yeah. And then a couple that are just kind of a bit dull, really. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to... Right, if you're going to have stuff like talents, they've got to make an appearance on stage. So if you've got an NPC who's great with children, there's got to be some children in the scenes at some point to yeah. just make that happen. Um, I think talents are a good idea because 
players, bless them. They're absolutely rubbish at remembering names, even if they write them down as well. And and because GMs, bless us, are crap at coming up with names, we often come up with like mangled syllables and stuff, and then no one knows who's who. And I mean, you're an expert, mate, of, of pulling images together to help people. Yeah. But something like somebody with a perfect memory could be like, you know, counting cards when you meet them. Or could uh, when you do meet them, they could tell you everything about you because they've got a dossier or something more than you know about yourself. And stuff. Mm. that's pretty cool. So there's stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the carpenter one. Uh, <laughs> unless unless it's the commoner, which just is it's easy to dump it. But then it doesn't feel like a noticeable talent, does it? So I, I'm tempted to say that our, our villain's a carpenter of some sort. I thought we were rolling up Jesus because we had like a highly charismatic, desperate commoner who was an expert carpenter. <laughs> yeah, I want to avoid that. I think it should be the the, the villain. Yeah, uh, I'm just thinking yeah. of something like um, the scene at Game of Thrones where Tywin Lannister's uh, skinning a deer while giving his son a lot of yes, grief. Yes, exactly. Oh God, that was a great scene. Yeah. Yes. So I, I imagine everybody who has to go in front of this villain is busy, like I don't know, putting a gallows together or something like that <laughs> when they go back and report. And if it's not good news, they might end up testing it out or something like that. Well, dungeons are always full of rickety tables and bunks and stools, but this one could be full of like really well mortis and tenon jointed stuff. Yes, and a shaker showroom. <laughs> he could be well known for his I don't know his siege weaponry or something like that. Like he makes yeah his army yeah. makes superb trebuchets and that kind of thing. So that's perhaps where we get a bit more interest out of it. Yeah, like, you know, really beautifully tooled traps and uh, like you know bunch of hobgoblin spears but they're really beautifully balanced and weighted yes yeah. okay well yeah, see there's something there that wasn't there a minute ago right okay. <laughs> what else did we have we have mannerisms nose thieves can't as well wasn't there I oh think... yes yeah, sorry nose thieves can't that seems like really obvious and cool because the secret language of thieves is um is a good thing especially if one of your party has uh, the ability to know thieves can't as well then we've got some secret languages all going on. Yeah, I think that should go to the commoner myself. Yeah, because at the minute he's sounding a bit boring and just like straight cookie cutter, uh, cookie yeah. cutter even out of a, I don't know, Seven Samurai something. He's the poor villager who comes asking for help, so we need to give him yeah. a bit of spice. And I think that he might be secretly either working for the thieves' guild or is a thief himself or has something, yeah, you know, yeah. something going on there. I think that makes his character a bit more interesting. Or has read books about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, knows the language, but his accent is awful. <laughs> he's trying to speak Thieves Cant to get into the Thieves Guild and they're not letting him in because he's rubbish. <laughs> but he knows the lingo. Okay, right. Mannerisms. Uh, so this is something that's perhaps a bit more obvious than their talent would be. Uh, so we can spur some ideas here, mate, because we've got 20 options for an NPC mannerism. These are classic, aren't they, NPC mannerism tables? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Dragon does them well. <laughs> uh, shall I just roll four then? Yeah. Okay then. Nineteen. Bites fingernails. Eight. Eight. Uses flowery speech or long words. Yeah, I'm liking these in order at the minute, I think. Uh, seven. <laughs> uh, whispers. <laughs> That's right now. Good. And um, fourteen. Uh, squints. That's all right. I think that's all good. Yeah, that's I think fine. I think our raider bites his fingernails. He's the carpenter because he's always smashing his thumb or something. Or you know, yeah, 
He's always tearing off bits of fingernails, spitting blood on the floor when he speaks to people. That sounds quite good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What else did I roll? I rolled uh, uh, whispers uh, about the temple did. official, I think. Nice. That's always good, isn't it? Well, he's got no teeth, is he? <laughs> yeah. He's constantly trying to keep his lips closed. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sort of thiefy come with a squint, which I quite like. Yeah. Uh, and what was the other one? What else did we add? Can't remember now. Flowery speech, that's uh, got to be our, speech. Yeah. our noble son who's been well schooled, but Yeah. Yeah. Things are starting no idea. to fall into natural places now, aren't they? Yeah. Okay. Alright, good. Now there's a few more things for NPCs here. I think some of these are more optional than others. We'll see what you think, mate. There's a table for how they interact with others. Um so in one sentence, describe how your NPC interacts with others, and that can change. So if you're if you're I don't know. If you feel like you need it, this will give you like a personality trait in one go. But they've already got a talent and a mannerism. Do you, what do you feel? Do you need to roll? It's up to you, mate. It's D twelve if you do. I think I think I've got stuff there myself. But let's let's roll one anyway. Yeah, we'll see if it fits. Yeah, yeah. three. Uh, blustering. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I think you've got to be careful with NPCs. You don't just make them. Annoying, to yeah, literally annoying because because <laughs> players will want to just stick a sword in anything just to see if it moves. But the yeah. slightest bit of annoyance, and players take umbrage, don't they? Deliberately, <laughs> yeah, they do. Yeah, <laughs> they just were looking for an excuse to pull the swords out. I yeah. think what that sort of table might be best for is showing how the NPC interacts with others. So it might be worth doing that as a starting encounter to say, how are they talking to some other people as the players walk yeah. in, or that kind of That's thing. That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so there's a, a blustering conversation going on where they're in each other's faces or whatever. Yes. Cool. It's a starter, isn't yeah, yeah. it? A scene starter, yeah. Okay, well, there's a few more like that. Um, yeah, uh, they're there if you want them, I guess. Um, other stuff. Uh, so useful knowledge is a thing, but they don't give you a chart for that, but it just it says that you should... You put some useful knowledge in there. Well, what about the fact they're an expert carpenter? That seems fairly <laughs> useful. Um, <laughs> um, but I guess what you do then is you circle back to that to give them clues or stuff that's specific to players, scenarios, stuff later on. So maybe there can't be a table for that because that's got to be a bit of a custom job. Yeah. So there's that. Um then you've got things that follow, which would be ideals, bonds, and flaws, which mirror the things that player characters in D&D have uh, almost exactly. So ideals is like what they're into, what team they play for globally. Um, bond is okay, but this stuff never comes out, even in players. That's maybe a contentious thing to say, but it just doesn't come up that often. And flaws is all very good, flaws and secrets, but if it never comes out, it's... I don't What's know if that adds too much to yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I would I would skip those particularly. Um, well, just give me. Um, I think for a villain, I want to know what bond he might have. So just give me. Right, what, so, what are we looking for that? Yeah, should we do well? For, to be fair, for ideals, they've got good, um, lawful, neutral, evil, chaotic, and other. Okay. So you can you can sort of pick one to go with an alignment to give you kind of like the, their overall ideal. Sure. So let's do an ideal, a bond, and a flaw just for the villain, shall we? Yeah, I think that makes sense. All right, what are you thinking um, alignment-wise for your villain? Evil, chaotic, neutral, lawful, good, or other? Um, don't really mind. I mean... Go with other, then. Yeah, let's do other. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I don't D6. want to kind of like bring the alignment seat too much. Yeah. Uh, six. Uh, Self knowledge. How exciting. <laughs> Villain, know thyself. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'll have to think about that. I'm not sure, immediately yeah. sure that brings me anything. Oh, this is true of a lot of these, I find, mate. Honestly, I mean, just an example, if you rolled on the lawful table, which you could do for them, you might come up with logic. Now, maybe you could stretch that into, the, I don't know, the dungeon design, their plans, mm. that kind of thing. But again, I think that's way too subtle for a and d adventure. If you asked your players at the end of the whole scenario, hey, could you tell me what the ideal of the villain was? And then, <laughs> I've got a million pounds for anyone who hits it on the head. I don't think <laughs> anyone would get it, would they? No. Oh, clearly this adventure was about self-knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> With all the whispering and the carpentry, it was the first thing I thought of. <sighs> Unless the villain's gone to a spa weekend in uh, California or something and is discovering themselves, don't know. There's not many giveaways. Yeah. Right, let's give them a bond, though. Okay, all right. so that's a that's a D10. So get back to your dice box with you. <laughs> so, that's right, get them all here. Uh, six. Uh, drawn to a special place. <laughs> could that be our dungeon, by any chance? Yeah, it could be. They've got a happy place. <laughs> uh, okay. Now I'm, begin- I'm beginning to go off these now. I wish I'd listened to you in the first place. Well, there's one more. Get- let's right. NPC Flaws and Secrets, which is a D12. I mean, on the Bonds one, they couldn't even think of another two to make it a D12 table, could they? So this <laughs> D12 for a flaw Ten. and or secret. Ten. Uh, secret crime or misdeed. Oh. Yeah. A secret crime. I mean, I'm more interested in these like upfront crime that's not secret. <laughs> yeah. It's the okay. same table you'd roll on for a goodie, I suppose. Uh, I think, yeah, so these feel like um, these would be good when you're making a bunch of NPCs because you want uh, a location based adventure where you're doing some like investigation or some politicking or something like that. So I think if yeah. you're doing that kind of game, that's where you'd use these tables. I think for a more broad brush, we just want some. Uh, figures behind the uh, like going to a dungeon, then probably a little bit too detailed uh, for me. Well, anyway. you're, well, you're right, mate. And also, this wasn't obvious as I was looking through the book. Two pages later, page ninety-five is the master table of your villains. So I hadn't realised that if you've got a villain specifically, there's a whole bunch of stuff to roll for them. Oh, so what we have been rolling on this is stuff that you wouldn't use for a villain. This is just for your generic patrons, gotcha. allies. Contacts, I suppose. Oh, we've got some villain stuff, mate. Now, this doesn't change anything you've already written, but it gives us a villain scheme and a villain's methods of doing that scheme, which sounds a lot better than trying to self knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. Now, this is a massive chart, mate. So it's a D8 followed by another dice roll in a minute for okay. the scheme. So there's an awful lot of schemes on offer here. I get a two. Right, that means the villain's overall scheme is one of influence, and you roll a d4 to see exactly what that means. Uh, what were we rolling, sorry? Four. D4. Hey, you use all the dice now, that's good. Yeah, really, all of them. Uh, four. So, it's to place a pawn in a position of power. Mm. Now, that's quite... This is a nice, big, chunky chart. Um, I won't do a quick addition, but I'm going to say there's 30 or 40 different villain schemes here which is more than enough. Um, so that's quite nice. They all look nice and chunky too. Right. That the is next quite... thing to do is Villain's Methods, which is an even bigger... This takes up an entire page. So this is really cool. Right, so a D20 followed by another roll will tell you how they go about doing this. 
13. All right. 13 gives us... Oh, there's... <laughs> right. <laughs> we're only 2D20s. <laughs> <laughs> well, 13 says neglect, and there's nothing after it. Oh, so that's dirty, their method. Uh, right. But, but I'm not doing something. Oh, good lord. Right. I'll we'll just roll again. 14. Oh, politics. Right. There's a D6 subtable for this. Two. Conspiracy. Mm. Right. So, okay. via conspiracy, they are seeking to place a pawn in a position of power. Uh, so, okay. yeah, okay. Right. I mean, so, this is quite nice. I think these are all just for generating ideas, aren't they? So we don't necessarily yes. have to include them. I feel like that because it feels. My initial thought was once we got to placing a pawn in a position of power was that this this raiding or ravaging that's going on is merely the diversion which he's going to get his pawn in place in whatever the power structure is. So he's uh-huh. possibly trying to destabilize the military government. Oh, sorry, the religious government or whatever, whoever it might be. To the point okay. where the people want a new leader, and that's his pawn. So he's not actually invading to take over the lands; he's doing it on the basis of destabilizing, so that he can get his man in place. Yeah, perhaps something like that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, nice. Yeah, we don't have to be beholden to this stuff at all, do we? There's a level, I think, where you can have too much inspiration. You just need to go with what you got. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is all to inspire, isn't it? It's not a, an yeah. absolute roadmap. Chuck a D8 on the table, though, mate, because it, your villain will have a weakness, which is a nice touch. Seven. Uh, the villain falls when an ancient enemy forgives its past action. Okay. All right, okay. It's all a bit, uh, it's all a bit Darth Vader there, isn't it? <laughs> a so bit. The villain falls when an ancient enemy forgives its past actions. So there's some history there to use or not use. But it's nice that there's a weakness that isn't just like its number of hit points. (laughs) Yeah. So given that we've possibly got um, an old Hobgoblin Shrine or something like that, it does lend itself to something happened in an ancient war between the Hobgoblins and whoever the invaders are. Uh, And there's something to go into the dungeon to perform a ritual or do a thing at the shrine or re-consecrate it or something. And that'll be, that's the act of forgiveness or atonement or something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some mileage there, isn't there? Yeah. Okay. Well, the good news is that's everything for people and place. So we've got very little left to do here. We could circle all the way back to um, to finding the ideal introduction and considering the climax of your adventure. We do those okay. two things, which is a table each, and then it's just about filling in the detail. So adventure introduction on a D12, please, mate. Mm-hmm. Nine. An NPC, the characters must obey orders them to go to the adventure location. All right, so the, I'll say that with the proper cadence this time. <laughs> An NPC, the characters must obey, orders them to go to the adventure location. So okay. this is a mission now. Oh, fine. And then the climax of the adventure. It's interesting that there's a table to roll on to see what the climax would be. But let's see. D12. D12 was right. Seven. A portal opens to another plane of existence where creatures <laughs> on the other side spill out, forcing the adventurers to close the portal and deal with the villain at the same time. <laughs> now, I, I remember reading some, some advice, actually, from uh, from one of the writers on D&D a few years ago 
And uh, it's a, I think it's quite a nice piece of adventure advice. See what you think of this. He said, try and think of the final scenes of your scenario, the very final scenes, like the big confrontation or whatever, and work backwards from there. And that that can be that can be a thing. Otherwise, you are a bit loose. If you you can do adventures, we just start a situation and see where it takes you. But it's kind of nice to have an end in mind. Yeah, I think definitely for dungeon adventures, it's good to know what the big final set piece is. You might want to know mm. where the collusion, uh, conclusion is something, but something like that, like a portal would open. So yeah. in our example, you, you do perform your atonement ritual, you do whatever the thing is that you need to do, and you think you've sorted it all out, and then that just creates a big rift, and something steps out of it, or a <laughs> horde of things step out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you've got to deal yeah, with, when you, just when you think you've done it, this other thing happens, and there's a big fight, or whatever. Yeah, all of the hobgoblins were had uh, had abandoned this place due to a to a massive invasion, and they've been sitting in a side dimension for two hundred years. Then they all come pouring back out. Again. Yeah, just waiting for someone to release to this them. place. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what have you done to my furniture? <laughs> Are you wearing my crown? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> well, apart from a few little extra subtables and stuff like framing events, which I think we spoke about in the main cast, didn't we? Which I, we quite liked was the idea of a here's something else that's happening that will just make it not your guarding a caravan or it's another sunny day. Hmm. There's a couple of little things for moral quandaries and side quests and twists and what have you. That's it. That's your skeleton. Um, there's a, oh, there's another couple of podcasts potentially in like what you do with that skeleton. But what do you think, mate? You're looking at your notes now. Have you have you got a sense of, of what's going on there? Because that's an hour's work going quite slowly, I think, and um, feels like we've got a lot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the only thing we didn't sort of go into, which we can do, you know, independently, but it's, it's actually designing what the dungeon is. I think that's the one thing yes. that we haven't done, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but in terms of having a setting around which we, we place all this, so it's not just you're going down a dungeon for random reasons to take money and bring back to a generic village to spend on potions. I think there's quite a bit there now that we've got in terms of some interesting people to meet, uh, reasons why it's all going on, some subplots or extra little bits already. I think there's plenty there to go at. I think there is. And, um, I mean, the Dungeon Master's Guide, we've not got to this bit in the main cast yet, but it does have, like, a random dungeon generator. So, this, Thanks. what we've done now, it, it generates your scenario, your adventure, hmm. and, and a little bit of the world around it, too, because don't forget, this comes off the back of chapters that have said, consider your history, consider your pantheon, consider what tropes you're going to use and which ones you're going to twist. So you might have already decided that your campaign takes place on a bunch of floating islands over a black ash desert or something. Mm. So you've got the big picture. This is that middle middle bit, isn't it, that I think people stumble across. Um, so I feel like we've got something there. You've not got a single name for anybody. You've not, like as you say, you've not got like anything in the first room of the dungeon. You don't even know what that room looks like yet. But you've got, what, a couple of sheets of paper with notes that will last you for... Quite a few sessions, I would say. And yeah, you can definitely. Back around for some stuff. Yeah, you can certainly run a session of two and then be rolling on tables again to find out what's happening next. Yeah, yeah. How's that process for you, mate? What, what, what do you think? Having gone through the Dungeon Master's Guide quickly, rolled stuff. What do you reckon? Worthwhile? I think that's good. I mean, if you said to me an hour ago, just come up with um, a setting for a D and D game or something, you know. Hmm. I need four NPCs, I need a location, I need a reason why the villain's there and what his motivation is. I want to know 
what the village is like, what's going on there, is there some turmoil and all this kind of stuff. I could have yeah. probably come up with things, but I don't think there'd be... It wouldn't have seemed as easy. I'd see a bit like I was just literally making stuff up, whereas I think that process gives you a bit more stuff uh, to, to kind of go at. It's just those little points. Like we had an obelisk with religious warnings on it or something like that, and there's all kinds of That's things right, like that yeah. you can start. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have thought of. Um, and I don't think I'd have thought of immediately that there's some kind of open warfare happening in the starting village that you're at, you know, before you even get yeah. going. Well, I was, I was just going to say if you if you if you put down in your in your notes that you've got a villain, and then someone says what do they look like, and you haven't thought about it, I guess you could roll in the heat at the moment. But it's quite nice that we've got an idea of what our villain's like. It's just it's very broad strokes, but it's enough, isn't it? It's yeah. enough to to foreshadow and to put rumors in, and and there's some things there. I think that's a really good starting point. I'd be I'd be really interested to go back at it again with with a bit more of a a bit more educated about what the tables can do. And yeah. I think, obviously, with a few more roles, if we did it twice, we'd have two very, very different things in front of us, wouldn't we? Yeah, and um, that was what I was going to come on to, actually. I think you okay. could do this two or three times. Yeah. As we've been doing with the tables and say, well, let's have two roles and see what we think's best. You could go through all of that two or three times and say, which do I like best? Or that might inform your game world a bit. If you're thinking of planning a campaign or something, which we'd normally say, don't put that much effort into, it's two or three yeah. hours' work to go through that process quickly. And you've probably got a good idea of three solid bits of your world there straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure someone's automated this somewhere as well. I'd be astonished probably. if there wasn't a little Java app or something. And again, if you wanted to step outside the DMG, fantasy games seem to be rife with this sort of thing. Yeah. There's um, world-generating tables. But I quite like how it does that one. It was a bit weird to have like race relations at the start in the second one. <laughs> <laughs> but but some of those tables seem quite inspired. They kind of mixed it up between like you know the more mundane things, um, but it's seeded with quite strange bits too, like the skeletal captain on the ferry boat. Which yeah, I like I like that a lot. I, I wish I, I wish there were more of these tables, and perhaps they were like a thousand entries long each, and they'd like cranked up the volume on some of them. To make it a bit more fantastical or a bit more low fantasy, but um, interesting I'm, exercise. Yeah, I think like you say, you can find those tables out there, can't you? There's the OSR yeah. community definitely, and others are just pulling out like tables of one hundred things that you can go. On, you can just go on the internet, ask for them basically, or check on forums or other places. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like this. In this what this book might do is give you the idea for the sort of things you want to roll about. Because I think there's two yes. or three tables where we looked at them and went. Uh, no, I don't really care about this. And then we rolled, yeah. and they thought, no, I really don't care about this. So you could just avoid yeah. them. Uh, and if you decide that actually you like the villain's weakness table or whatever it is, you could just go out and find, like, give me some more villain's weaknesses, people. What else have you done? And come up with 20 new ideas that you can then roll yeah. on next time, you know. Yeah. So it's good for As giving the idea process. of the process. Yeah, well, you've used the word process, exactly what I was going to talk about. It was, as a process, as a protocol, it's something you don't see in every game, in every RPG, that's for sure. Um and I think I'd quite like to see it in more games because I, I find myself at a bit of a bit of a dead end sometimes. If I'm staring at a blank bit of paper, it's hard to get going. But that process of just rolling a lot, it's uh, you were thinking about what it looked like. I was thinking about what it looked like. We were thinking of different things in our heads, but it's, yeah, you roll a dice and off you go. Good yeah, times. and I think you can use this for other stuff as well, couldn't you? Because if you wanted to switch this mm-hmm. into, say, Deadlands Reloaded or something, I could quite easily see that the, the Carpenter villain's... Um, like an old timey preacher or something like that, or a, right, someone right. who's been corrupted by the reckoners, 
and has gone all fire and brimstone and your inexperienced adventurer could be just like a, a newspaper uh, hawker or someone who wants to come out with you on your adventures and, and that sort of stuff. The temple official can be the actual priest from back east who's saying, one of our guys has gone rogue, you need to do something about it. Uh, and, you know, mm-hmm. replace hobgoblins with the, either the natives or Native Americans or someone else. There's all kinds of stuff there that you could just put a cowboy hat on it uh, and make a Deadlands adventure <laughs> quite easily, I think. <laughs> I agree, mate. It, it's, there's actually not too much in there specifically D and D. I mean, we we didn't land on some of the entries that would have been like a beholder villain is the mastermind yeah. or something. But even then, that's a Dalek, really, isn't it? So you've got a sci-fi adventure with not too much reskinning. I mean, you know, I think the jury's still out on whether you need to buy a Dungeon Master's Guide, no matter what game you're playing. But that looks bloody useful already. That yes. exercise we've just done seems really useful. And if you've not put together your own adventure. I can't recommend that highly enough because you can do that without any thinking at all and you've built yourself a jigsaw piece a jigsaw puzzle perhaps but it's there, you've got to start Yeah, agreed. you're off you go it's all good Okay, cool, well I think that'll do for now mate for a bonus cast, that's not too bad and uh, you know, we'll see, we'll see what people think about this maybe we'll come back and flesh this out roll on the random dungeon table uh, maybe actually make up some stuff and flesh out NPCs, we can do that I guess um but yeah, that, that's how you do it. That's our that's our first D and D adventure co-authored, mate. After all this time, <laughs> <laughs> all we needed was the DMG. Well, if there's any of our glorious <laughs> listeners out there who've been playing along, or even want to use the ideas that we've got and come up with their own little narrative, do send us what you've got. Like, if from, yeah. based on either what we rolled or you rolled, if you want to put a paragraph together and let us know, that'd be super awesome to hear what you come up with based on those ideas. Agreed. Yeah, that'd be super cool. I'd like that very much. Please send us your stuff and uh, we'll we'll listen to you and see you next time uh, on What Would The Smart Party Do? Thanks very much. Yeah, cheers guys. Who knows, one of your best entries might go to the smart zine and we might even be able to rustle up a prize from somewhere. Just saying. Good lord. (laughs) (laughs) No no promises. It's a a, a set of villain's teeth set in a beautiful (laughs) piece of carpentry. (laughs) Okay, thanks for listening everybody. See you next time.